Well, hey, everybody, you're listening to the After Message edition of the Next Steps podcast of Westridge Church. I'm Steve Beal, and I'm here with Tyler Newsom, and Tyler and I have something really unique to bring you this week. I'm really excited about it, Tyler. Yeah, this is a little bit unique in the sense that we don't have staff members. A lot of times we'll pull our staff to, mm-hmm. to speak on the podcast, but although not staff members, most definitely team members. Yeah, like wouldn't you say? Key team members. Key team members. <laughs> we have Ennis and Gene Mobley. How are you guys doing this morning? We're doing good. Thank you, Tyler. It's an honor. This might be our very first podcast where we have both key team members speaking into the the people this morning. So yeah, everyone's excited. really interested to, to see really, where we're going. Really excited about that. You know, I've known you guys for, uh, I don't even know, how many years has it been? About 10 yeah, maybe 10, 10. I remember we were at the Chinese restaurant. Remind, I can't, I'm trying to remember what it was. We were ha- House, of House, House of Lou. House of Lou. Yeah. And we were, yeah, I had heard about you guys. Um, some, Stacey Wendover had told me about you two that you were some of her favorite people. And we were looking for some people to be a head coach over uh, our guest services area. And uh, as a as volunteer, really, we were considering it like a volunteer staff position. And we uh, sat down and interviewed you guys and talked with you guys. And, and we did that several times. We had several interviews for a volunteer position. Right. And uh, you guys prayed about it and then served, man, with us for a long time yeah. in that role, yes. really until you until you retired and, and then some other things happened. Yes. Well, um, right before I retired anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So right. we're going to talk a little bit mm-hmm. about some of those other things. Steve, if we if we knew then what we know now about them, do you think we could just cut the interview process and put them in in their in, in a place to be to be head coaches? Yeah. I, I think we could just cut the interview uh, process. Oh, their oh, resume yeah. speaks for itself. <laughs> but I didn't know them then, and so you know what? I had to be sure. <laughs> well, let's just say wherever they would like to serve right. going forward. <laughs> well, they the do. interview process will be very short. Well, they do. <laughs> You know, they're they're at that age where they can gallivant all across the country and the world, you know, if, if COVID restrictions will allow them. So they so but when they're in town, I mean, we look to these guys to to really serve with us. And so hey, listen, I want to jump into some conversation with you guys around the message yesterday, uh, if we can do that, because what a great message. And um so you know, as we uh, as we do every week, um, we love to talk about the topic that was discussed here in our weekend services here at Westridge, and and we want to just wrestle with it and see if we can find a, a thing or two that will really help us take another step towards Jesus in our lives as followers. And so yesterday, uh, Pastor Paul Richardson was our teacher, and he spoke on the trap of bitterness. That's our series this week called Traps, and he spoke on the trap of bitterness. Now, I think anyone who knows you the way that I know you, or even knows you guys at all the word bitterness would or bitter would probably be the last thing that we would use to describe the two of you i mean i just bitterness and 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 the moblies just don't go together at all it, it seems like for those of us who know, know you but you know what we know that we have an enemy and we know that bitterness can be a trap and so i just want to ask you guys just to jump right into the deep end you know is bitterness something that you guys have struggled with in uh, in a season of your life if you struggle with bitterness towards each other towards god uh towards other people um share that with us if you will we've learned over the years to hide it real well steve <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, and Gino share, I know, but I think that uh, we've both started, we've uh, we've, uh, had times of bitterness, not necessarily toward God, but toward others Mm. for actions that have been taken in our, uh, that affected us. Mm -hmm. And there's been bitterness in our marriage as Mm -hmm. well. And uh, seasons of of time of healing 
But uh, yeah, there's been bitterness there. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're not perfect. And, <laughs> and we thought you were. Yeah. I'm so, I'm, I'm, oh, this, no. It's so revelatory here today. Yeah, right. Gene, you and I talked a little bit yesterday mm-hmm. about a season that you went through and you really yes. struggled with it. Um, share that with us, if you will. Okay. Um, last year in May, most people know Ennis um, had to go into Kennestone Hospital and um, had back surgery, and it was due to um, multiple myeloma. And he went into the hospital on um, May the uh, 7th, and I was not allowed to see him until he got out. I picked him up to um, see about his rehab and to be discharged from the hospital on June the 5th. Mm-hmm. And so all that time, I was not allowed in. And I became very bitter t- um, during that time that I was not allowed to see him. Um, he almost died twice while he was there. He was in very bad shape. And so it was really rough. And I was bitter toward um, the hospital, mm-hmm. um, the CEOs and all those people that wouldn't allow me in. However, I understood you know, the reasoning behind it, it was because of COVID and for the protection of everybody there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still was annoying and uh, yeah. provoked anger and bitterness. But I just accepted there was nothing I could do, but I, I surely did not like it. <laughs> yeah. So so I remember when we were praying with you guys and, and um, just walking through that whole situation with you guys. I mean, it it was dire. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah, th- there were some days when when we were keeping hour by hour tabs on how Ennis was doing because mm-hmm. he really got into a a rough space, uh, mm-hmm. a rough uh, place there, mm-hmm. and and it was it was frightening. And I, and I know for you, how long have you guys been married? Uh, Forty nine years this past March. Forty nine. Mm-hmm. So so where when and where is the big fiftieth anniversary uh, uh, bash? Well, I want, we don't know. I, I want to know <laughs> March thirty first of next that, year. That's right. <laughs> so um, to be married that long and then to be told. You can't go in mm-hmm. and see yeah. him when and the, the first two days um, after surgery because his kidneys were not working right. Um, he he was not waking up, and it was so frustrating to me because all I knew is if I could get in ICU and stand by his bed and keep talking to him, maybe he would wake up. His kidneys would not. Uh, flush the anesthesia out of his body, and they could not get him to wake up. And I just mm-hmm. had to sit home yeah. and pray and wait. I can't imagine. And and so the bitterness that you were talking about was really just towards people who just, yeah. I mean. It was bitter toward people, yeah. but just really the situation yeah. of the time that we were in. Yeah. But then I just had to accept it, and God helped me. Was that easy? No, but God, <laughs> no, but God was all through the whole thing. God yeah. was always there yeah. and people to support me. Yeah, I just know that there are people listening who are in. Uh, maybe the de- the details aren't the same, but there is a system that is that is causing them a lot of probably emotional pain more than more than anything, and and um, they're just they're just struggling. To, to make sense of it all mm-hmm. and to not and to not carry that. So that's why I wanted to ask, you know, let's kinda of want to dig in a little bit mm-hmm. just to say how did from a day to day basis, how did you how'd you deal with that? I I prayed, God helped me. Um, my children helped me, friends and neighbors helped me. Mm. And I tried to keep things as normal as possible at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a very scheduled kind of oriented person. And so I just tried to 
you know, do yeah. things daily that yeah. to uh, make me feel better. Well, one thing, but but if I can add, she spent her time. I know she did this. She spent her time trying to figure out a way to reach me, and uh, and one of the things that was calling uh, the nurses and calling my phone and telling the nurses to take my phone into I see to to my bedside and for me to hear her voice, but then to play Christian music. Oh, really? She said, "I just know he can just hear the music that he loves, that Mm. he'll wake up." So Mm. I know she spent time doing that and thinking about me and how to reach me. And, and I know she was praying. I yeah. do know that. I know prayer was a huge part of that because yes. you were asking us, Gene, you were giving us even hour by hour updates in, in the, that season. And it wasn't just a day. I mean, this, this was a long, this was back and forth over a, quite a while yes. that you were dealing with this. And there were days mm-hmm. when it was really scary. Oh, yes. He had to have several tr- blood transfusions and low oxygen counts. And Gosh, it was just brutal. That. Yeah. yeah, it's so, so crazy because if someone somehow by a time machine was listening to this podcast in 2019, they would be so confused. They'd be scratching their head because they're yeah. saying, why couldn't you just go in there? But we now know that we spent such a long season and still are really in it. I know a lot of hospitals maybe are, are relaxing, but a lot of people, especially who are listening to the podcast, it seems like can relate to a moment where a family member or a friend was in a hospital and they just seemed, they were just a few floors away, but just seemed unreachable. And it's like this new thing um, that so many people have had to learn to deal with. And I mean, I went through a season of being bitter at the hospital for my grandfather, who spent some time in the hospital this past year. Um, I'll never forget, it was March of 2020, probably the second week or so. And we're sitting in a team meeting and Julie Rape mm-hmm. gets a phone call that I'll never forget. And and I realize in this, I realize in this moment that this is going to be really, really interesting, really bad. She gets a phone call from her daughter that her daughter's going to be going into labor and that Julie is not going to be able to be there or really any family. Well, you know, we later experienced that with my daughter Collins in October, but we had, we had months to adjust and prepare and get ready for that. Um, but I never forget just the bitterness and pain that I got to see Julie experience yeah, it, right then and there yeah. that she wouldn't be there for her, her first grandchild. Right. Her first great. Yeah. yeah. Her, the, uh, her daughter's, um, her oldest daughter's, um, daughter, um, or son. Is it son? I don't know. Uh, Ju- <laughs> Julie will be on the podcast That's soon. Right. She'll, she'll tell us, but either way, her first grandchild. So a lot of, a lot of, listeners are going to understand what you guys are saying and it's going to comfort a lot of a lot of listeners too so i I really uh liked yesterday how paul illustrated that uh that bitterness is like a weed in our yard Mm -hmm. Uh, and one of the things he mentioned is how weeds tend to grow in bare places where they have room to take root and steal ground Mm -hmm. so have you guys experienced in your own lives um, or maybe seen um, in the lives of people you know, this this kind of visual of bitterness stealing ground and taking root. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, and you know when I think about bitterness, I like the way Paul explained it yesterday. I, I wrote it down for I remember some of the descriptions of what bitterness is, and that's uh, he said it's a sharpness in tone or harshness, even jealousy or envy, and coldness toward others, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, and uh, and some of the relationships within our own family has been times that we've uh, had bitterness and felt uh, uh, a harshness toward 
a family member. We're yeah. actually a part of our family. It's estranged from a part of our family that's uh, so dear to our hearts. Yep. And uh, and the mm-hmm. tendency is to to be mad and to think about um, uh, how I can get back at that person. Yeah. And how to repay the evil for evil, which right. the God's Word tells us we're not to do that, to right. repay evil for evil. But uh, but uh, to, to answer the question, how do we? How I must, I'll answer this. How how do I avoid that? Is is I've gotten to the point where I, I take and I can't quote it verbatim. Second Corinthians ten five, but basically to take that thought captive yeah. when it comes to my mind mm. that I want to beat this person up. Yeah, not literally, but uh, with with my mind. Yeah, and it's, all it's doing is destroying me. So yeah. just take that and just immediately take it captive, and that's been been the biggest thing to help me. Yeah, so, take it captive before it before it takes before root, it steals takes ground. Root. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Before the roots start growing down the ground, like right. like Paul mm. uh, explains so well. Yeah, so, very true. Mm-hmm. If if bitterness is allowed to just sit there and, like you say, take deep roots and deep roots spread to other places and before long those bitter weeds become many many bitter weeds and Mm -hmm. they just sit there and kind of just grow and fester and so you have to pull them out one by one and so you just can't allow that bitterness and the anger um the you know you can be hurt um but you just can't dwell on that because it's just not productive and it's not what god wants us to do you you have to look at people and the situation and when there is bitterness in the family you just have to love those people and with god's love and and know that jesus died for them and you just Mm -hmm. love them and go on and pray that one day Mm -hmm. whatever bitterness or whatever you've done that's so unforgiving and when you're not even allowed to talk to that person about it to make it better and you're knowing you in your life that that being able to sit down and discuss things and discuss hurts and and anger and how i annoyed someone or whatever when you can sit down and discuss it and know what you did wrong mm-hmm. you you at least have a chance to make it right and in, in our situation we don't and so we just choose not to let those weeds multiply and yeah. just offer love yeah well that's from, it from afar no matter what yeah that's that's great because you know, I'm thinking too, what does the bare spot look like for me? Like say, you know, thinking through the yard um, and, and a bare spot in the yard where a weed can easily take over and take root and take ground. A bare spot for me might be a place where for whatever reason, grace isn't isn't offered from me, mm-hmm. a, a person or a place where I have a harder time extending grace there and it's just wide open for the smallest thing to become um, a, a, a reason for me to be bitter. You know, and it's um, it, we got to treat those those bare spots. I hate that you know landscapers who are listening this morning are going to love this podcast. Um, but you have to, you know, you have to treat that bare spot. Continue to tend to it, and that's offering up grace when grace is hard. Um, yeah. That's you know, I, I can think of several situations and times and places and people in my life where it was extremely hard to give yeah. grace and still sure. is. And um, the smallest thing that most people would get away with in my life, that person just does not get away with because of because of the bare spot of grace there, you mm-hmm. know. So always trying to to treat that bare spot because when a weed pops up there, all of a sudden you'll look and there'll be a weed popping up over there and over there and it's affecting me. one little area of bitterness is starting to Show its show its head in several different 
different places in, in your yeah. life. I thought that was such a great visual. It was. You know, that, I mean, I don't know how he thought of that, but, but it was such a great visual. Because, you know, if you think about weeds have a tendency to grow up in bare places. Sure. Um, and the thought I was thinking when he was sharing that is there's a reason I was thinking about my own yard because it was such a great visual I think everybody in there everybody in the whole congregation was was, was thinking about their own yards yeah. you know and so I'm thinking about my yards and I'm thinking about the places and I have three or four places that are that are really bare you know spots that where the grass isn't growing and in each situation there's a problem there's a reason that that the grass isn't growing and it's something it's a problem that I need to deal with and I'm just lazy and I don't want to, I don't want to do the hard work, um, because, um, it's bare and, and it looks really, really bad. And in my case, it's a, a high spot that, um, that gets, that gets mowed down and, and, uh, and doesn't, you know, where nothing can grow there because it gets, it gets mowed down so, so short and the sun comes down and beats. It's not protected. There's, there's no protection of that, that little spot. And then anyway, it's just, it's a long thing, but I was thinking the unhealthiness of those spots. But, uh, but uh, have you thought about the fact, and Paul did a great job of, uh, uh, illustrating about the weeds growing in the bare spot, but uh, I think it's important for us to be on watch where weeds do come up, where mm. grass is and uh, is thick in your life, where you think that uh, uh, there's going to be no weeds. Mm. So shouldn't we be on watch for that? Yeah, and absolutely. Think, and where we think everything's okay, yeah, and it's not. Yeah, you know, yeah. So. Great advice. Yeah. So I, I want to just kind of um, talk with you guys about a personal. Uh, question. I know if you guys have known you for a long time, I've known your family and uh, your girls and, and, you know, gotten to know your grandkids even, and just, you know, we've done a lot of life together and ministry, ministry is really what's brought us together, but we've yeah. done a lot of, of life together, celebrated a lot of great things and walked through some, some difficult things like we've already talked about. But I know your story and your family story. And I know that for many years, uh, you had one of your daughters who chose a lifestyle that was something that you would never, you would never have chosen for her. Um, I know that was really difficult. It's a long season um, for you guys. And um, I wanted just to ask you guys, how did you guys handle that without getting bitter towards her? Because that's really what stood out to me when, when we were praying for that situation and, and talking about it and was, it was just, uh, you know, I just remember, and it's particularly for you and I, you know, sharing at different men's things, gatherings and whatnot, of how just your love for her just never seemed to wane a, a bit. But I want to ask, how how did you not get bitter towards her um, or people's attitudes toward her in the lifestyle she had chosen um, or bitter towards you um, or or their attitudes towards you or maybe even God? Um, well, I tell you this, it was a, a very tough to begin with. And we prayed for her for a little over 21 years wow. uh, for God to, uh, to deliver her from what we saw was a, uh, a sinful lifestyle. And, uh, and we're, we were very open with her. Uh, she never sure. questioned our belief, and, uh, mm-hmm. and we never stopped loving each other. Uh, and the only thing that got us through it is the fact that we had to remember that uh, if God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us, to forgive us for our sin, then we should show that same grace to her. And it, I never thought twice about that. Never. Wow. And even and through the years, we had people recommend and suggest that we uh, distance ourselves from her 
And uh, because we were associating with someone who was living in sin, and we rebuked that, and those friends, were no, we didn't really associate with them anymore, not mad with them, but we just didn't see uh, the way they saw it. So, uh, But Dennis, but, that, that hurt you a lot, didn't you? Didn't sure it did. You, know, sure you did. and I talked about that one time, yeah. how, how disappointing that was and Absolutely. how hurtful that was. Very, very, very disappointing. And, uh, and, uh, and look, we struggled. Uh, through the years, we struggled with uh, with uh, uh, just uh, uh, being around other people and knowing that they were looking at our daughter uh, and her partner at that time in a way that uh, just made us uncomfortable and made them uncomfortable. But I knew this, and Jean knew this, that it really didn't matter what they thought. Uh, we loved her, and uh, we knew that God still loved her. Mm-hmm. And uh, we found out. After through all these years, we found out that she never turned away from God's word, and we never—I didn't know that—that that she was still reading her Bible and still praying. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, uh, when that finally uh, God released her from that rela- from that relationship, and she has uh, two foster care kids that were adopted that she had adopted to raise, that uh, she was leading them in Bible study at night, praying with them at night. Mm-hmm. And so she was a lot closer to God than what we thought she was. Yeah. So. Wow. Jean? Yes, it was um, the, the, the bitterness and anger was at, like Anna said, we had a few friends and um, that encouraged us to basically turn our back on her. Mm-hmm. And we were, we don't do that. I mean, we sinned, and God didn't turn His back on us. Mm-hmm. He sent His Son for us. And I mean, you know, she's our daughter. We adore our children, <laughs> both of them, and our grandchildren. And and we just weren't going to do that. We would never. And Ennis has mentioned she had a partner, and and we loved her. And to this day, we still, still do. Still do. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's like family to us. Um, you just. I think this is kind of on this subject and not. I just think we would be a lot better if we would just love people. You know, you hear the saying, love people through God's eyes. And that's the truth. If we would just love through his eyes, no matter what our circumstances, love the other people. And and um, I think a lot of the bitterness and the anger and the animosity that we see among people today and families and everything would be so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just kind of have to look at it, the people that um, kind of look down on her and her situation, um, that's their thing. They have to yeah. answer to the Lord for that. Because there was never any, there was never any question um, by her from, from her own, like her own sharing this with me. That um, she knew where you guys stood, mm-hmm. and and that you were unwavering in in your conviction right. about what God would want, mm-hmm. um, what we would really want for her life. So I wanted just to. This made me think about um, what would you guys tell parents whose children are on a path that seems so far away from what they think is best or what God's best would be for them, or maybe um, the one whose husband or wife is just on a wayward path, just mm-hmm. a path that, that is so far from what they think God would want for them. I would just say, never stop praying. Um, a lot of people don't realize that 
when Innes and I first married, he was not a follower. He was not a Christ follower at all. And mm-hmm. I prayed for him and prayed for him, and I had people in the church and family members that did. And I just never stopped praying for him. And so that experience and how I saw God work in Innes's life and him accept Jesus, I just say to them, no matter what's going on in your life, never stop praying. Just always look to, to the Father. Mm-hmm. And just seek him, and he he knows what you need and and what's best. Just don't give up. Yeah, just don't so don't lose hope. Just keep praying and loving the person, no matter what the situation. You know, I just kind of thinking through and reminded of of something that we we see in scripture when we start to hear or be around people that might say, you know. Um, God loves the God loves the world. Well, he in John three sixteen he loves the the world and everyone and, and the people in it. He doesn't love he doesn't love sin, but he loves the people in it. And we get such a good visual, and we see it every year at Easter, where Jesus and Barabbas are are put before the people, and you have you have Barabbas who he he kind of is, is the 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 model of the world. Barabbas was a bad, bad guy. But God loved Barabbas. Jesus loved Barabbas and Barabbas was was let go. Jesus died for for Barabbas. He died for me. He died for Steve. He died for everyone in the world. There's no there's no exclusions of any people of of who God loves. So why would we put any exclusions or distance ourselves from from those from those people, especially in our families? You know, mm-hmm. if if Jesus loved Barabbas, if God loves Barabbas, then there's no person that I shouldn't extend total love, total grace to. That's true. Um, so that's that's really that's really good, really encouraging story. And um, I know that was a little side note from from bitterness on what I had to say, but it's kind of bringing me to um, yesterday's message, where where much of Paul's message was dealing on um, yesterday on dealing with bitterness. Bitterness was centered around specifically Hebrews twelve fourteen and, and fifteen and um, that basically reads, keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. What I want to ask you guys is how do you guys do that? We've touched on it a little bit, but how do you guys continue to keep a sharp eye out for bitter discontent? Hmm. Yeah, go ahead. When things come up like in our, in our marriage or anything that I annoy him or he annoys me, or whatever you know, it happens. You, you know, forty nine years. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we just always. It, um, mm. a, a, years ago, we had a pastor, and he talked about. He called it um, when you hold on to things that go on in a marriage that irritate you or whatever, and you just kind of hold on to it, and you just he calls it sandbagging. Yeah. And so mm. that just stuck with me, and so we yeah. don't sandbag. Yeah. I mean, sooner or later, we just end up getting it out in the open. And sitting down and talking about it and working things out. And I think the communication and being able to do that, you know, with God helping us is what has kept us together for 49 years. And if you just push it to the side, it's kind of like that little dust in the corner in your house. You just kind of pretend it's not there. Well, it's there. And if you don't take care of it, you just get a bigger dust ball or a bigger weed in your yard or a big mess in your yard. And the same thing is true inside the home between um, couples. And it could be you and a child. 
you know, you just have to be open and honest and communicate. And or, that's how. Or brother and sister. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that's how you get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I tell you what, there. This landscaping visual is just continuing to build. Yeah. So when you said sandbagging, I'm thinking you cut that sandbag open, you pour <laughs> it right on that bare spot, and yeah. good grass is going to grow. Hey, yeah, that's the landscaping tip. That's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I would agree with Jean, and that's one of the things in our marriage that, that uh, we do have a tendency to do, and it works real well. She just agrees that I'm right about everything. So right, that's, uh, right. <laughs> just right. works easily. Uh, she, she's, uh, she submits to everything, and, of course, uh, she's, uh, she submits, and that's good. I, Gene uh, uh, really is a good model for what Peter in First Peter talks about: uh, the wives submitting to the husbands, but the husbands submitting to the wives. And but she's submitting to me and the, my authority in the home when really I had no authority in the home. But by her doing so, uh, I was drawn to Christ, and uh, mm-hmm. and our marriage has been built on that ever since then. But as far as your original question about how do we watch for those spots and how do we keep the bitterness out? Was that the question? Yes. We got to wait yeah, for it. Just watching for, yeah. How do you, how do you keep a sharp eye out okay. for, for right. bitter discontent? Well, I think you have to be very intentional. I mean, as you go through the day and I catch myself, uh, uh, being annoyed with someone, someone would do something and, uh, that I get annoyed with and, and I, and I hold on to it. And it's simple things like someone in the neighborhood. Now, we're retired now, so we're involved in neighborhood activities. And someone says something that I don't agree with, and, and I'll hold on to it. And for not for just right now, but for several days. And Gina yeah. will catch me on it. Mm-hmm. And she says, mm-hmm. why don't you just let that go? Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, that's just the way this person is. Right. And uh, I said, okay, that's what I'll do. Well, and Until when tomorrow. you we, yeah, and when you said earlier taking that thought captive, yes, specifically that doesn't mean I'm going to take it captive. I'm going to hold on to it. It no. means squashing it before it grows. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You don't. You're not going to hold on to it. Right. You you, you, you take it captive, and uh, so uh, you would be then obedient to Christ and right. what you've been called to do. And so uh, that's that's the only way I can do it really yeah. and truly. Uh, yeah. And it creeps in. I'm going to tell you what, it'll creep in before you know what's mm-hmm. going on, just just yeah. the little things, and you got to catch, you have to catch them. I catch yeah. myself sometimes in the morning when I'm, spo- I'm supposed to be praying that my mind's drifting to things, yeah. and that uh, that they shouldn't be drifting to, and it's my, and it's some of it's bitterness. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that's yeah. You know, so we're, so Tyler and I are both uh, real involved in young adults, and par- part of his responsibility here is with young adults, and I, I do that as a as a volunteer team member um, here. Uh, and something that that I'm always sharing with those who are not married yet is, um, if at all possible, uh, find yourself somebody that loves God at least as much as they love you. Amen. And, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Here's why I say that. I can't count the number of times. I could never count the number of times that the reason that I'm going to Christie in who in humble in, in a humble state and asking for her forgiveness when I'm still sort of mad, <laughs> you know, is because God's conviction over me. And I'm kind of ganged up on because she's telling me I'm wrong and the spirit of God is telling me I'm wrong. And I just know I'm wrong. I don't, you know, I don't feel wrong, you know, but intellectually I can see where I didn't do something right or, or whatever, but, but I'm still angry. I still have the emotion of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, but an intimate, you know, experience and walk with God reveals to me that, you know, God is convicting me that I'm not, I'm right or wrong. I'm not handling the situation 
well, and I'm creating more disunity between her and I than I am. And so my point with with our young adults is the fact that if you don't have that, then then the both of you are just it's just up to you two. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so hard. It's really, really hard. It's it it is the person of Christ is so key in helping me to be um to be humble yeah. with my kids, um, with my with my wife and with my friends. And uh without him, I, I, I would I don't I don't I don't think I would ever do it mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, I'm just not that kind of a person. I, I'm prideful, I'm arrogant, you know, in a lot of ways, and and it's the spirit of God mm-hmm. that just is without so without God, I wouldn't like myself at all. Yeah, you know, and I don't think anybody else would. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's probably true with all of us. Yeah, yeah. It's true. So so good. Um, well, you know, I, I was thinking about this last night, um, and the verse that came to my mind was Colossians one seventeen, um, that says that that the Lord is kind of a uh, Paul is talking to the writing to the the church in Colossae, and he's kind of describing who Jesus is to them because he wants them to know who he is, and he says that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and so it's kind of like. He is the center, like like Jesus is the center. He mm-hmm. is he is the the hope of the world, and I think the reason that that verse came to my mind is if you can embrace that, if you can embrace the fact that because he was before all things and he is in all things and in him all things hold together, then he is completely trustworthy with your issue, with your pain. With whatever you're going through, with the with the relationship that's that that's um, in jeopardy because of what they've done to you, mm-hmm. that that God is bigger than that situation, mm-hmm. and He and if you bring it to Him, you can leave it with Him, and you can trust Him, and He'll guide you through it. He'll walk you right through it, um, and He's going to walk you toward peace and harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if any anyone who reads uh, the Scripture at all is going to see that peace is a huge thing, not not mm-hmm. peace at the cost of truth. But peace with truth is something that he um, that he is, is extremely uh, passionate about for us. Well, I do have something else I want to just share with you, and because I think it would be highway robbery if we, if we didn't if we didn't uh, talk about this point that Paul made yesterday. He, he kind of brought it uh, around First Peter three nine that said, and that says this. Listen to this. I think this is interesting. He says, "Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless." On the contrary, bless. Yes. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. And so when Paul was talking about this verse yesterday, uh, he was pointing out how it calls us to bless those who have literally done evil to us or, or who have hurt us. And, you know, you think about that, that's a tall order. Um, but it comes with a blessing, not just for the offender, but also for us. So instead of being a double you know, a double whammy, so to speak, because we've been hurt, and then we become bitter, which only hurts us, right? And so it's an it's it's an evil, and then and then an evil on top of an evil. The word of God is is challenging us, which is so against our nature that when an evil is brought to us, we actually respond with blessing. Yeah. And so not only so you you take a, a double evil becomes a double blessing, and that's powerful, don't you? I mean, I I really think that that is. 
That is powerful. And I know we've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about this, but I want to talk with you guys 49 years. Like, not only have you experienced this in the lives of you and your friends and uh, other believers and or, or whatever, but how have you also experienced this double blessing um, in your lives and in your marriage? Yeah, let me share. Uh, and I, I was thinking about this, and uh, I've heard it through the years. When we're talking about we're, we're, we're blessing God and we're praising God. And we want to praise him, but uh, but yet we want to hold on to things in our lives. And you get the visual of uplifted hands of praise. Mm. But if you're holding on with clenched fists, interesting that you hold on to uh, the hurts, mm-hmm. or you hold on to the material things in your life, and how in the world can God place in your hands the blessing He wants to place in your heart mm. if your hands are cl- clenched? Mm. So being Great willing, being willing to. Uh, pray for those that have hurt you is one of the most freeing experiences I, that I've ever had. And uh, this is this is fresh. I mean, for the past two years, I've been praying for this one person that's brought a lot of pain into our family, and uh, and uh, it was very difficult to start with to mm-hmm. pray. I was praying for change. I was praying that God would convict him, this person of. of uh, what he was doing that was so wrong. Mm-hmm. Then I started just and uh, praying. I'd listen to a message, and someone was talking about this that uh, that you you have to be willing to pray God bless them, mm-hmm. just like you want Him to bless you. Mm-hmm. And it's been the most freeing experience. And now that when I pray for this person, and I pray for them every day, and a, a fervent prayer, and and I pray God's blessings on them. And uh, it's been freeing for me, and I hope it's freeing for that person as well. I don't know. I don't see the the, the visual yeah. uh, results of it. But. You bring up something so interesting to me, um, and it's because you know if you are if you're honestly, because I think there are times when we are dishonest in our prayer. Absolutely, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. We are we are dishonest. It started in our out prayer. that way when I started praying. It, oh, I'll okay. tell you that. Yeah, absolutely. We all do it, right? I mean, yeah. we, it's because we're human and we're 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 trying to figure it out. You know, we're yeah. fallen, but um, but when we are when God has convicted us and we are trying our best to genuinely pray for God's blessing over a person's life, it is really hard. To it's almost we become double minded right. if we're holding on to bitterness while we're asking God to bless them. Right, and and there is this there is this uneasiness within our heart because it it's incongruent, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And it so I, that's why I think yeah. you know obviously prayer is is huge. But so Gene, let me ask you. So I, I know that there have been times when I'm, I'm trying to see if there's a, a situation you can share with us that where you have reacted the way that you know God wants you to react. In other words, you've blessed in us when um when there's when he's done something to hurt you. Um and you've seen the you've seen the fruit of of that in, in your own blessing. Is that have you found that to be really true and, and if so how? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> um yes, um when when he has done something that has hurt me, um and he comes and asks forgiveness, then I think how many times I've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I need forgiveness too. And then I always think about all the wrong things I've gone and still continue to do and will do until my dying day that God is so merciful, he forgives me. Mm-hmm. And then I think too, kind of back to the bitterness thing, 
that when we are praying and asking God um, to bless us, how can He bless us if we have anger and bitterness in our heart with a person? <clears throat> he tells us to forgive that person first. Mm-hmm. And so I want Him to always hear my prayers. So I always need to forgive Ennis when he hurts me and others also. Yeah. Because I want God to always hear me. Yeah. And I I have a um reverence for God, you know. I'm with that generation, you know, learned very young that God loves me, mm-hmm. but he is my authority and I love him and um revere him in a positive way. Yeah. yeah. And so like my father, I had a very wonderful earthly father and I wanted to please him and I want to please God even more. Yeah. Mm, that's so good. You know, something I was thinking and when we were talking about maybe um when we come to when we come to God in prayer over over a bitterness issue, I heard it said one time that you know how how do you know if there's bitterness in your prayers cuz you're praying for God to change that person. Yes. And when you become a mature believer, you pray, God, change me first. Amen. You know, change my heart first. So um, as we always say, this is the Next Steps podcast. We always want to give a next step for our listeners, for our people of our church. Um, one thing that I've, I was thinking through today, too, is uh, bitterness continues and, and grows even faster in solitude when we're doing life alone, when we have, when, when it's just us and our thoughts. Um, we don't want that for anyone here. We, it, it's really hard to be bitter around a group of biblical community or in a, in a biblical community of people that love you, are praying for you, and are pouring into you. So if that's something that's missing in your walk or in your life right now, you can always go to westridge.com slash groups. Um, we actually are getting really close to summer, and group launch in August is coming up. We would love mm-hmm. to have leaders step up and lead uh, brand new groups, and you can get all the information about that at westridge.com slash groups. And you can join a lot of groups right now, mm-hmm. anytime uh, that continue to meet over the summer. Um, you can also find that at westridge.com slash groups. Serving on a team, too, is a huge, huge way to do life with people here at Westridge, and we yeah. need that. Sundays don't happen without our team members. That's right. Um, and you guys know that as good as anyone. You were right there in the in the mix with everyone on Sundays. So, guys, it's been a great week. We're excited to start to head into summer and have some more people on the podcast. We've got a really exciting list coming up for you guys, and we can't wait to share it with you. But until then, go out this week and just know that you're loved.